Welcome to this week's solo pod episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Colin Cernelia. Today, I wanted to talk to you about a topic that has been front of mind for me for quite some time, but has especially been brought to light over the past few months. This is a baseball podcast episode, but this is also a human, specifically a black rights episode. See, baseball is a great game. I love it, and so do countless other people, but it's also a deeply flawed one especially when it comes to supporting black people at all levels of the game. For a sport that hangs on the coattails of Jackie Robinson and breaking the color barrier in major American sports, it's actually sickening. Let's begin our conversation today with some numbers to paint the picture. In the 1970s and 1980s, 17 to 19% of Major League Baseball players were African American. In 1993, the percentage dropped a bit to 16.8%, according to Sabre.org. By 2007, the number of African Americans in Major League Baseball had plummeted to 8.5%. Opening day in 2019, 7.7%. To give you a numbers breakdown, that's 68 players out of a total of 882 in Major League Baseball on opening day rosters according to USA Sports. Only six players in last year's World Series were African Americans, three for the Washington Nationals, three for the Houston Astros. According to the Society of American Baseball Research, in 1975, the year after Hank Aaron broke Babe Ruth's home run record, Major League Baseball reached its highest African American participation rate in the sport's history at 18.5%. The peak happened more than 40 years ago. Now, before we take a real deep dive, here are some elements to consider and keep in mind. In 1989, Major League Baseball endorsed the Reviving Baseball in Inner Cities concept, RBI for short, and since then, the program has grown to over 200 cities across the country. In 2006, Major League Baseball launched its first Urban Youth Academy in Compton, California. Over the next 11 years, the league opened youth academies in Houston, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Dallas. In 2017, Major League Baseball and USA Baseball joined forces to create the Play Ball Initiative, which encourages youth participation in baseball across all demographics. But it's not all bad. Access to the game of baseball is not limited to just young men. Women have increasingly participated in baseball and softball. According to Major League Baseball, for the third consecutive year, baseball and softball combined to be the most participated team sport in the United States, with 25.6 million participants. So what's the problem at the highest level of baseball? Let's dive a little bit deeper. In 1999, Major League Baseball enacted the Selig Rule, with the stated purpose of increasing the number of non-men and people in front office, managerial, and coaching positions. Unlike the NFL's Rooney Rule, however, which requires teams to actually interview candidates, the Selig Rule was more lip service than actual reform. 
under the Selig rule, Major League Baseball teams are required to consider female or minority candidates for all general manager, assistant general manager, field manager, director of player development, and director of scouting positions. Notably, the Selig rule does not require that teams actually interview any female or minority candidates for these positions. Instead, teams must merely consider candidates belonging to an unrepresented group before hiring someone else. It's obviously unsurprising then that two decades after the Selig rule went into effect that the number of non-men and people of color in managerial front office and coaching positions has actually been going backwards. The first woman wasn't hired to a full-time Major League Baseball coaching position until this year. And Major League Baseball acted like it was as big as the Super Bowl. One of the women hired this year was podcast guest on Dynamic Leaders, Rachel Balkovic. What's so interesting about listening to Rachel's story is that it's not all that different from that of a man. The difference is she got a chance in an industry that's been so unwilling for so long to give women a chance. But perhaps worse, if we go back to focusing on black folks, managing and coaching positions are increasingly excluding black Americans. Here's some stats to ponder. According to a recent study, since 1972, 16 black men have ascended to the managerial position, filling 27 jobs, 10 interim, and 17 full-time positions. Over that period, 224 men were hired to fill 470 openings, with many jobs opening several times. Two of the 27 openings for black men were with teams that finished above 500 the previous season, so we're talking about where you're not going to be hired to be fired, and for comparison, there have been 17 managerial jobs filled by individuals who didn't have managerial or coaching experience at either the major league or minor league level. Frank Robinson and Buck Martinez are the lone people of color to manage with no prior experience. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem as though the problem is getting any better. This past offseason, Gabe Kapler was the only serious candidate for San Francisco's skipper job. The only candidate even interviewed by the Giants before he was hired as their manager, even after Kapler covered up a sexual assault while with the Dodgers. What? Not only that, Kapler was run out of Philadelphia after the 2019 season, after a dizzying array of terrible in-game decisions and a noted inability to communicate with his team. Again, what? Why are white men, like Kapler, being hired with records that include covering up crimes while African Americans never even receive offers? This problem all stems back to ownership. People hire people who look like them. There isn't a single majority black owner in Major League Baseball, so basic knowledge would tell us that the ownership group is all white males, meaning more white males get opportunities in the front office or in coaching. Other barriers are carried out by these numbers. The pipeline to being a manager now seems to run through being a utility player or backup catcher. 
But today, just 8% of Major League Baseball players are African American as compared with 27% in 1978. So while ex-players turned executives might be able to parlay time spent as backups into managerial or front office careers, it's far harder for black players to even make a team as a utility player, let alone turn it in to a second career. There's a lesser known age-old unwritten rule in baseball, quote, no blacks on the bench, end quote. To be a black player in the major leagues, even, or perhaps especially today, you have to be good. The numbers support this. Frank Robinson hit 294 across a Hall of Fame career, where he generated an incredible 104 war. Willie Randolph was a perennial all-star who posted a 62 war during his career. Davey Lopes stole 557 bases. Cecil Cooper hit 298 across 15 big league seasons. Hal McRae hit 300 across a decade-long prime. Dusty Baker posted 10 seasons of two war or more, while Don Baylor hit 338 home runs, including six 25 home run seasons. Maury Wills stole almost 600 bases in his career, including 94 in 1965 and 104 in 1962. In other words, these aren't just above-average players, they're bona fide superstars and all-stars who were among the best in the game at their positions. Even former black managers who weren't perennial all-stars were often still high-level players, like Cito Gaston, Dave Roberts, Ron Washington, all of whom spent parts of 10 years in the major leagues. So if we want more black managers, we need more black players. But that won't be accomplished through participation-based programs like the RBI program I mentioned earlier. For example, and I heard CC Sabathia talk about this on a recent podcast, baseball is a non-revenue sport in college as compared with basketball and football. That's a reality of Title IX. Thus, there are less scholarships and less opportunities for kids coming from traditionally low-income families to play at the collegiate level and beyond. The maddening part of all of this is that Major League Baseball has already shown a willingness to open the talent pool, just not for African Americans. In the Dominican Republic, for example, the academy system incentivizes teams to develop prospects, thereby creating a direct pipeline for youngsters into affiliated baseball and eventually to the big leagues and potential managerial posts. The draft, however, disincentivizes teams to invest in African-American prospects in the United States. After all, my beloved Yankees could well afford to build and fund state-of-the-art academies for black youth in the Bronx. They simply choose not to do so because other teams would then draft that talent. For Major League Baseball, suppressing player earnings through the draft is simply more important than opening pipelines into the game for African-American youths. So what is the result of all of this? The result of this systematic racism is a baseball that is inferior, a lesser game than what it could and should be. As more and more barriers are erected to African-Americans in our national pastime, 
more serious questions emerge, such as who gets to build wealth, who gets to have a job. The system doesn't fix itself. It's going to take everyone in Major League Baseball to take action and stand up and make changes. Major League Baseball has the resources to do this. They can put on programs. They can put more coaches around kids. They have the power to do that. But does Major League Baseball feel the need to address the issue? And even if they address it, will they move quickly or will it be like most things in baseball, slow and painful? Here's to hoping Major League Baseball makes a concerted effort to fix this problem in the offseason. But that's all I really have at this time. Doubtful hope. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. Monday, we return for a Labor Day guest special with Landis Wade. Landis is a former athlete and retired lawyer turned author slash podcaster. Don't miss his story next week. And please have a safe and happy Labor Day. And until next time, take it easy.